Hello. Hello. Hello, and welcome to Grace Online. We're really excited for you to be able to receive an encouraging word from Scripture today. Because we know that God is already here, and He is ready to be with you. And let's get ready to hear today's message. As we break into the new year, today becomes sort of a day zero for many. The first day of the year has that effect of being a blunt reminder that it's time to reassess our priorities. It's time to think about those commitments that we need to make over the next year. It's often a time to finally commit to a new regiment for health, a time for a new budget, a time to try to let go of some old habits that are holding us back from being the best that we can be. It is a time for us to often attempt resetting ourselves from a path we've come to notice we're perpetually drifting off course from, despite the sincerity of all our best efforts. It can often be a time to try something new that we tell ourselves might be the thing to reinvigorate ourselves this time. There is something about the first day of the year that makes it seem like it is the official day for new beginnings, for making a New Year's resolution and getting those needed changes we put off the rest of the year, getting back to those. As the first day of the year descends on us again every year, it sort of becomes a ritual in itself, observing the day, like it is a day set apart for our remaking. And some of us like to further ritualize the first day of the year by eating particular foods like pork and sauerkraut or black-eyed peas with our families, which we have always been told will ensure we are abundantly blessed in the new year. Whether or not that's true, I confess, pork and sauerkraut is on the Allen menu today. (laughs) But all fun aside, our observation of New Year's Day and our resolutions are indeed an affirmation of our hope, regardless of whether we follow through with them or not. Acknowledging that we can still be changed, transformed, and become a better version of ourselves or at minimum, conform to better habits in our personal lives. This is surely a good thing, that our hearts are yearning for hope as we enter into this new year. But a question I would like to pose to you as we ponder these changes we need to make for ourselves this year in order to flourish, are we truly capable of making these changes all on our own, without any outside help? With that question, I'd like you to reflect on I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles along with me and follow along as I read from our scriptures today, Psalm 80. Hear us, shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Awaken your might, come and save us. Restore us, O God, make your face shine on us that we may be saved. How long, Lord God Almighty, will your anger smolder against the prayers of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears. You have made them drink tears by the bowlful. You have made us an object of derision to our neighbors, and our enemies mock us. Restore us, God Almighty. Make your face shine on us, that we may be saved. You transplanted a vine from Egypt, You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it, and it took root and filled the land. 
The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. Its branches reached as far as the sea, its shoots as far as the river. Why have you broken down its walls so that all who pass by pick its grapes? Boars from the forest ravage it, and insects from the fields feed on it. Return to us, God Almighty. Look down from heaven and see. Watch over this vine, the root your right hand has planted, the sun you have raised up for yourself. Your vine is cut down. It is burned with fire. At your rebuke, your people perish. Let your hand rest on the man at your right hand, the son of man you have raised up for yourself. Then we will not turn away from you. Revive us, and we will call on your name. Restore us, Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. This is the word of the Lord. This psalm is a communal lament that is asking for a new beginning to take this community from a place of mourning to hope. Some believe it can be placed around the years 732 to 722 B.C., referencing the military defeat of the northern kingdom of Israel by the Assyrians. It is a cry for guidance, restoration, for a new kind of life, beginning with the hear us, shepherd of Israel. It is a petition to be able to return to God's grace. It's coming from a community that has bottomed out that can see generations of their forefathers' errors in the face of the horror that surrounds them, which is the result of not following a God that was leading them. But even still, let us remember that our psalmist is speaking to a people that God named, called, sent, planted, relocated, led, replanted, and the whole time continuously forming them. And they know this. But despite this lengthy journey God's people had with him, they had somehow lost sight. God was not done forming them. They had somehow forgotten it was God's grace that brought them to where they were, that their hope began with him, ends without him, and was always in him. They had forgotten that it is God who gets the glory and not them. And here they are torn up, divided, and lost. How do we allow ourselves to drift like this, they must have thought. But somehow, from the bottom of their pit that they find themselves in, there is a deep cry for God, whom they remember is their shepherd, who can still hear their cries, trustworthy, who may bless them and keep them, who may shine his face on them and be gracious to them, and who may once again look upon them with favor and give them the peace they are asking for. It is from this deep groan, from this place of total resignation and realization that nothing else in the world can save them but God, that their plea for God's saving action is vocalized. A plea so desperate they recognize they must be revived to even be able to get out of prayer to call on his name properly. We might not be under the same kind of duress brought on by foreign invaders, which our psalmist alludes to, but even still, this psalm seems an appropriate lament template 
we as Christ's church might meditate on as we are thrust into yet another year. We have plenty on our minds that has been weighing us down. And to move forward with any kind of integrity, with any kind of real hope, we must truly lay our concerns at the foot of the cross and stop trying to brush things under the rug or worse, look for scapegoats for our gripes when things don't look like they're going to go in the direction we think they need to. The truth is, God gives us a way to complain and to address our concerns to him in a healthy way. And he wants us to come to him in our lament, to call on him in our needs. To borrow from the words of 17th century English minister John Flavel, there is no sin in complaining to God, but there is much wickedness in complaining of him. Griefs are eased by groans and heart pressures relieved by utterance. As you recall, even Jesus laments and demonstrates that it is part of how we are to call on God in our grief. Remember his grief in his cry, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? While he awaits the completion of his humiliating death before he is raised to the glory of God. Remember how he laments through tears at the loss of his friend Lazarus before raising him to the glory of God. Remember how he weeps for the coming destruction of Jerusalem for not recognizing their Savior's visitation before his resurrection and before his spirit is poured out on all who believe to the glory of God. You see, there is a pattern and an example to follow in Christ's laments from calling out the troubling circumstances, calling out the unfairness, calling out the emptiness, the hopelessness given in a situation, crying out for God's hand and making things right, a specific kind of petition that leads to God's saving action, resurrecting life out of death and adding to the glory to God as it unfolds. When we look at Jesus in Scripture, who was always in the Spirit, inseparable from the Spirit since the incarnation, where the Spirit becomes visible like a dove descending upon Him at His anointing baptism, where His ministry begins, who is then led into the wilderness by the Spirit, then powered by the Spirit and claims victory from temptation in the wilderness, then filled with the Spirit, fulfills His ministry through the rest of His life, through His death and resurrection. And in the totality of His life, if we look closely enough, there are also His cries, His laments. And all those, let us not forget, all those are also Spirit-filled and instructive on calling on God's kingdom to come now. Jesus is always filled up with the Spirit. And He gives us the same Spirit. But that doesn't mean we don't struggle, as we seem to always be in this battle royale between the flesh and the Spirit in this life. Our temptation confronts us daily, even as we continue to pray the Lord's Prayer to protect us from these temptations. Not that it didn't confront Jesus daily too, but we don't have it perfected like He did, do we? The point is, our daily struggles are real. And we struggle to understand why all these horrendous things keep happening around us. And how living in the Spirit can make them easier. 
only to find out that in a sense, it doesn't. Or at least our suffering doesn't go away. That wasn't part of the deal, though, was it? We try to grasp how difficult things like saying goodbye to our loved ones as they pass through death while we are in the Spirit doesn't make their death less difficult to swallow. We try to understand how relationships can be challenged, and it's not always so easy to live out of the spirit of gentleness when we feel threatened or challenged. We struggle to understand at times how to find Christ's spirit of patience to meet the loved ones in our lives who struggle with mental illness, with addictions, or with trust issues. We struggle to grasp how to find Christ's spirit and how to apply it when we are faced with life-changing medical diagnoses. We get to these points where we feel completely depleted, like there is no air left to breathe. And when we get to that point, like the psalmist, we too have to ask to be revived, praying, come Holy Spirit, come, just so we can get our bearing about us in the overwhelmingness of it all, just so we can see what needs to be prayed for next, just so we can call on his name for the real help we need to respond out of grace as life just doesn't slow down or seem to ease up. The good news is that Christ is there with us in all the reality of all our struggles. Like the psalmist laments of being fed the bread of tears and tears by the bowlful, even Christ laments of the cup of wrath he has to drink. And likewise, we too must verbalize our grief and make known our needs to the Lord to be rescued. But it can be hard to look up when things get heavy. But even so, we too must pray for our restoration so our heads can regain the strength to look up and see the Lord's face shine on us again, that we may be strengthened so that we may call on his name. We have to keep asking the Lord to keep transforming us with our prayer, come Holy Spirit, come, so that we have eyes to see where we have gone wrong as a church that has split apart or schismed in so many ways since our inception, when in reality, we are supposed to be a body coming together in his name. We too must pray for our restoration so our heads regain the strength to look up and see our Lord's face shine on us again, that we may be strengthened so that we may call on his name to be his church. We have to keep asking the Lord to keep transforming us with our prayer, come Holy Spirit, come, so that we have eyes to see all the places we as the church have created more obstacles than pathways for outsiders to come and see what Christ has to offer for them. To see where we have limited our witness to those who look like us and have ignored the strangers and all those we would label as outcasts because their sin is not the same as ours. Restore us, O Lord, we must pray so that we can recognize his face shining on us again is not just for us, but that he is filling us up and equipping us to welcome those who have been told they don't belong, who desperately need to be restored to God. We have to keep asking the Lord to keep transforming us with our prayer, come Holy Spirit, come, 
so that we have ears to hear where the Lord is calling us and leading us to be his hands and feet outside our weekly gatherings so we can be attentive to where God is leading his church outside the walls of our own making so we can join him in his boundless restoration of his whole creation, not just the parts we're comfortable with, following our shepherd's lead as he gathers his whole flock. Beloved, the psalmist's prayer has been answered. The Son of Man in Christ has come and been raised to the glory of the Father. Christ has promised us we would never be alone and that he would send us the Holy Spirit to be our inseparable companion, just as it was his inseparable companion. The Spirit's work in us is not a once-and-done event. It is an unfolding work where we are learning moment by moment and day by day to follow our shepherd into unknown spaces. A spirit who is in each moment reshaping us to be a more refined version of ourselves and of what we were truly created to be in Christ. So beloved, as we contemplate on what our hopes and our dreams are for the new year, let's hope bigger than ourselves this year. Let's pray for God to continue to transform us into the kind of change that lasts that through him he heals the brokenness and divisions of this world, that pointing to him inspires renewed hope in all our lives, both inside and outside our congregation. Let us be the church who is inseparable from the Holy Spirit, who recognizes we cannot do anything on our own without the power of the Holy Spirit, that any resolution we make that is truly good is only the kind we ask for and commit to. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us online at gracehb.org.